0: so great to have you as part of our party to God. That's why we're here, right? We're not here for ourselves, but we're here for God. Because he, he told us, get together regularly. Get together weekly and worship Him. So thank you for honoring Him. Well, today I'm going to tell you our vision for 2016. And I think you'll enjoy it and uh, we can learn together and uh, just understand how to be more part of the mission that we have. Well, our mission, of course, is to make disciples. I'm going to ask Chris Kubaki just to share with you how the family at Springbrook has uh, discipled his family over the years.
1: Well, for me, sometimes that's the I needed to be prodded along by the family. <laughs> when um, my wife and I first started coming here ten years ago, we had come from a very bad experience in a previous church. Mm-hmm. And... The worship leader at the time, Terry Hughes, found out I played, and she stalked me for weeks. (laughs) You fill out the application. You fill out the application. That's what I needed to get back in the saddle and start serving again. And then a few years later, uh, Rich hounded me to go to a men's retreat. I finally went on one of those, connected with great men, then joined a men's group. And now I'm leading a men's group. And I'm getting... Discipling and being discipled by brothers in my group. There's one of them over there. And so it's, it's, there's so many ways that the family of Springbrook has ministered to us.
0: Wow, oh, thanks, Chris. You know, discipleship uh, is a process. And it's a lifelong process. He says 10 years. Other people have been here 15 years. And it's amazing when you've been around so long. You see people change and they tell you their story and you go, wow, you know, God did that through our ministry. And that's what we are. We're here to disciple one another. In fact, I was talking with my kids this week and I said, what, what really impressed you at Springbrook? What helped you uh, to grow as a disciple? And my youngest, Tommy, was uh, 20, he, he said that uh, it was just a love and acceptance. That the volunteers showed uh, to him. And then Wesley, my Mai- Wesley middle son, said that it was a, the fact that people who had full time jobs were coming out to a WANA youth group, whatever it was, in order to serve me, in order to have a relationship with me. You never know what's going through these kids' heads right, head right. And then Brian, well, he had a lot to say. Um, <laughs> But he said it was just being around the church and being discipled by relationships, other adults. And he said, he said this, make sure you're here as much as possible. That's what he told me to tell you. <laughs> and uh, I concur because, friends, I just want to thank you for discipling my three, three sons that's the most incredible gift I'll ever receive from you because that means so much to us and it sets them off in the right direction and thankfully and they're all tracking with God at this time but that's a beautiful thing you know it's a long process but again it's a wonderful place to raise your kids wonderful place for you to receive encouragement and support well what is our vision at Springbrook? Uh, they told me this remote work. <laughs> oh, it's off. You always need to check. Oh, yeah, there we go. All right. Our vision is to build passionate followers of Jesus Christ. That is our vision. To build passionate followers, not just people who just kind of go over the flow. We want people to be really committed and really growing in their relationship with God. Of course, this is based on Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to 20 Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That was the command He gave to the disciples and the command that He gives to us. Uh, It's interesting. The last several years uh, here at Springbrook, as you know, we've... uh, face some challenges along the way. and I've never seen so many people move away from this area in the period of time that we had. And uh, it's been, you know, many people have left our church for all different types of reasons, and may God bless them. And on top of that, you know, we lost our youth pastor and our worship director within three months. And that's never good for a church. I mean, I understand the rationale and everything, but when they fall together, uh, it impacts the church. So, you know, I, I've been struggling and thinking and praying about this for a lot of years in terms of how do we remain vibrant, how do we continue to grow, all those different different types of things. And God really has done an awesome work in my life. God has really gone deep into my iceberg and showed me things I never realized before. Uh, wrong motivations, uh, wrong ways of approaching things, and uh, cultivating cultivating more of a, a love for Him in the heart of ministry. And I'll tell you, it wouldn't have happened unless I went through this. <laughs> and uh, God has just renewed my heart. It really is an amazing thing over the last year. I mean, I am more excited about our ministry than I have been in a while. I feel renewed. I feel challenged. I, I feel <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I really am. So I know it, as you sit out there, you don't see the auditorium as full as it might have been. And you know, What's going on? Let me just give you a little bit of insight. Uh, this is the life cycle of a church or any organization, really. You've probably seen this before. You've got birth and you've got growth and you've got stability and then decline, decline, decline. Now, the critical thing in continuing that life cycle growing, you know, continuing to go through that, is that you have to have uh, a renewal. You have to have a renewal of your vision. You have to have a renewal of uh, your mission. And everything that goes with that. And uh, if we don't do that, obviously, uh, we're going to die. And We don't want that to happen, right? Springbrook has just been such a, powerful tool in this community that God has used to really touch thousands of lives. We've we've been around 20 years and a lot of people have come through our doors. So it's amazing to think about uh, how God has used us. So I would say we're kind of in that second stage of redevelopment, the middle line. Uh, And redevelopment is again renewal. It's seeing things in a different way, it's approaching things. Because this is usually about 20 years in a church. This happens. In fact, there are several churches uh, that have been around as long as I've been around. And uh, it's interesting that they're all struggling. You know, I'm not sure we need to pray for them and pray for us, but it just seems to be uh, common in this area. But how do we handle it is a question. How do we start a new chapter? How do we get a fresh start? How do we experience the Holy Spirit in a whole new way? How do we see more people come into relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, that's what I'm going to talk about. Friends, uh, Acts 2 talks about the early church. And so we're going to study this briefly today uh, to learn about what a healthy church looks, looks like. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of the bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Don't you wish you had been there at the beginning of the church and the excitement of it all. You, you know, it all started with a prayer meeting, right? 120 disciples got together. And they were praying for the Spirit to come. And the Spirit came in a very significant way. He rocked the place that they were in. And they were given uh, they could tons of different languages. Because it was Pentecost. And people had come from all over the world. And they spoke the truth of the Gospel. And 3,000 people became Christ followers, not awesome. Yeah, this gives you a desire to pray more and more that God uh, would use us in a very special way. Uh, we've talked about as elders in terms of what what are some different things we can do uh, to restructure our ministry and uh, or you know, whatever we can to make it more healthy. So we uh, took Kid City and uh, we, we again, uh, started that ministry overhauling our old Sunday school. That was about a year and a half ago, Uh, so that was good. And recently, uh, we made Rich uh, the executive pastor of the church, because he's much better at managing people uh, than I am, he has a strong business background and That already is beginning to pay off, which gives me more time for sermon preparation. Sometimes that gets cut down because of other issues that come up, but now my primary focus is preparing for Sundays. And also in terms of developing leaders and relationships, and uh, so we've done all of that. Uh, We have started the leadership gathering, doing that eight times A year when our leaders come together and we have a great lunch (laughs) and we just talk and encourage uh, one another in the roles that God has given us. Uh, There always is a financial challenge, and that's something we continue to pray about, but God answered in a big way, which is just kind of saying to us hey, you know, just wait it out, pray, and see what God will do. Because they were able to restructure our uh, building loan uh, significantly for this next or this year. Uh, and then it will go up a little bit the next year and up a little bit the next year. And it will be a little more expensive in the fourth year. So that gives us financial margin uh, to move in. And, of course, the end of Disciple Driven is coming up. Uh, I think it's the uh, beginning of May. And so we were talking about the fact that you know we still needed resources and we didn't want to do another campaign. And so we, we decided just to really trust the Lord and we decided to ask you to prayerfully consider continuing to give at the level you're giving or increasing your giving to disciple-driven. Now you can put it in the budget, you can put it in the general fund or disciple-driven fund, it really doesn't matter. It's kind of like there's two different funds there that support our ministry.
1: And I I would just ask
0: you to start thinking and praying about that. We'll talk about it a little more in April. But I believe, you know, that uh, God is going to meet our needs. So be praying uh, with us. Well, I want to talk about the five purposes of the church. Because that's our discipleship strategy. As you know... Uh, we are really honing in on discipleship. We've hired a consultant uh, from Navigators, and they're guiding a team in our church through developing a discipleship process. So uh, meet once a month for 18 months and talk about, okay, what does the disciple look like? Uh, you know, what things do we need to make sure the disciple is taught? And things like that. So we really have a clear pathway in building people up through discipleship, and when we talk about mission, the mission of the church we of course we went to the five purposes of the church now, years ago, I used to uh, do hand motions to help us remember our mission, so I well, why we go back to it you know because it kind of helps stick in your mind, and we we use hand motions to do that because whenever I tell somebody do you remember that, and they go, "Oh." Uh, mm -mm. (laughs) because it's a great memory aid, okay? So the first purpose of the church is we bring them to Jesus, okay? And I'm going through all of them first. We bring them to Jesus. We enfold them in relationships. We inspire them in worship. We teach God's truth or God's Word. And we equip them for ministry Then I added another one because it's so important. We pray for them. We're going to step through these as we look at uh, our discipleship uh, strategy. The first one again is bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. There's nothing more exciting than being around a new Christian. Because everything is new to them. (laughs) Did you know this? Did you know that? You've been a Christian a long, long time. I knew that. But... It gets you excited about it again, whatever they're talking about. And that's so important for us because that's an area of weakness that we have in our church in terms of the number of people that are becoming Christ followers. I appreciate everything you guys do in terms of inviting people and telling people about our ministry and loving your neighbors. But We just got to continue to pray that more and more people would be engaged in that. And that we would see the Holy Spirit at work. I think of Carlos and Tamara Rivera. Are they here? Okay. Uh, they became Christ followers last year. And uh, it's just so fun to talk with them in terms of how their lives are changing. Uh, Carlos is our drummer. Uh, and he serves, I don't know, once or twice a month. And uh, Tamara has a, has a baking business. So we have been blessed. at different times uh, with some goodies that she has prepared. But they're just wonderful people to be with. And that's what we want more of. We want to see more lives transformed. We want to bring more people to Jesus. We need to be thinking about it on a daily basis. And that's going to be part of creating this new chapter of ministry. Discipleship is the focus. And on the top of discipleship, of course, or the beginning of discipleship, is evangelism. That's part of the discipleship process. We look at uh, Acts 2.47. It says, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being Saved. Wow. Every day, people were coming to Jesus Christ. People were responding to the Gospel. People were repenting. And they were baptized as well. The church first began, you had 3,000 come to Christ and baptized on the same day. Now, I'd like to go and live that day with them. All right? Well, friends, we want to bring the same excitement back in evangelism. And continue to pray and work even harder. And pray even harder that more people will understand who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ said in Matthew 16, 15, Go into all the world and proclaim the Gospel to the whole creation. Now my question for you is, how much do you own that command? How much do you live it out? How important... Is it to you in the sense of moving more and more toward proclaiming the gospel? To make it something you're thinking about and you've got people that you're praying for to become Christ followers. I see a Centegra Hospital going up here. It's quite beautiful. Uh, Of course, I don't know, a year or two left, but uh, (laughs) the structure is up. And it'll be nice to have a hospital right here, right? Closer, and if you can get into the network, <laughs> that'd be good. And, and, and I think about the important work that they do there. I, I think about the doctors and the nurses and all the training that they have had in order to care for us physically. And so, you know, we, we like hospitals to be there when, when things come up and uh, when we're feeling sick. Yeah, they're there for us to protect us physically. But you know, Springbrook is like a hospital, but it's a spiritual hospital. People come in, and they're looking for answers. They're looking for what's missing in their lives. And they find out it's Jesus Christ. And they make that decision to repent and believe in Christ. And they become Christ followers. And then... After that, they walk with Jesus. And we teach them how to trust in Jesus and make Him more part of their life. But the most important thing is is that Jesus Christ has saved them. What's the worst thing that could happen at Integra. Somebody dies, right? That's not the worst thing that could happen to you. You realize that. Physical death is not the worst thing that could happen to you. But if people reject the Gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, they will suffer through all eternity because of that choice. So as you think about that, you think about, oh, they've got all these trained people over at Cintegra, and a lot of respect for that. But friends, we've got a more important role to play. And we may not be trained as much as a doctor or a nurse, but we have that important responsibility To get the gospel to other people. So this is very important that we realize that this is what our church is about. Evangelism is the beginning of discipleship. Uh, I studied uh, our evangelism ratios. This is one way you determine how effective a church is doing in evangelism. So 2015 we had 30 conversions. So we have about 500 adults that attend during the month. So that's like 13 to 1. So it takes 13 people, one might say, to bring one person to Christ.
1: Well, that's not too bad.
0: You know, you go into all these other churches, mainline churches, 1 to 50 or 1 to 100, you know, because obviously they're not uh, reaching out in that way. In 2016, I want you to pray with me that we'd see 52 conversions. People coming to Christ. That's 500 adults, That's ten to one. You don't think that's that big a difference, but it really is. It really is. Because we're not about widgets, right? We're not counting widgets. We're not selling widgets. We are about helping people come to know Jesus and grow in Him. In fact, if you want to, uh, take your message sheet, and I would like to meet with some people who are interested in evangelism. I know a lot of people, and they'll be invited as well. But if you're interested in just having a brainstorm session on how we can improve our evangelism here in our church, I really encourage you to do that. Just write down evangelism on the sheet, and then drop it in one of the offering bags as you leave. Uh, Also, another area is promotion. So if you like advertising and all those different types of things, What are different ways that we can get the news out about our church? So if you're interested in that, write advertising, uh, promotion. Because we want to continue to grow in these areas. And So I just want to sit down with uh, the people who have interest in those areas and brainstorm a little bit and see how we can continue to be more effective uh, for the gospel. Now, it's interesting. I was uh, studying a book called The Comeback Church And they were talking about how a church, you know, again, uh, pulls out of that cycle. And these were the top five things reported by Comeback Churches that were the most important in revitalizing their ministry. So prayer was number one. Prayer was number one. It all starts with prayer. We just got done with a month of prayer at Springbrook. We had, I don't know, Nine meetings, something of that nature. And they were great meetings, and I think some people came to several of the meetings, so I think there are probably 30, 35 unique individuals. Well, friends, that's not good enough, right? If we're going to be committed and devoted to see people come to Christ, we just need to come out and pray. And we're going to continue to talk about that and model that, uh, because it's, it's a tough area to grow in. It's so important that we do. Then evangelism, as I mentioned, a youth ministry was important. And we're in our search for a youth pastor. Emily Phillips, again, doing an awesome job. And then leadership development, which again, we again upgraded our leadership with more leadership gatherings. And we hope to do even more this year in terms of training leaders and empowering them because that's a critical need. Another list I came by is what people reported in terms of these come back, revitalized churches. What they reported made the difference. And the first thing was renewed belief in Jesus Christ and the mission of a church. It makes sense, doesn't it? Because if we're going to be engaged, if we're going to be involved, if we're going to treat this Importantly, we've got to buy into the mission. It's not that somebody else will do that, or I'm not good at that, or I don't have time for that. No, it's commitment. It's saying, I will do that. I'll sacrifice other things, whatever it might be, in order to strengthen our ministry in achieving those things. Alright, the first is we bring them to Jesus. And then we unfold them through relationships. I want everybody to do this with me. It's not hard. <laughs> we bring them to Jesus. Them. We bring them to Jesus and we unfold them through relationships. Enfolding is the idea of bringing somebody into your family. So a guest that comes here that starts to regularly attend, they feel that they're welcome. Now that doesn't happen in a lot of churches because sometimes... Uh, Right when the service is over, who do we go to talk to? A new person? Eh, Typically not. We talk to our friends. We need to continue to teach uh, that uh, value. That on Sunday mornings, you're here first to worship God and then to love people that come through the door. So in that first ten minutes, you should be looking for somebody. And if you're shy, find somebody who's extroverted. and Team up with them. (laughs) But people really feel Uh, the difference in that way. In fact, we had an Iwana dad who came in to pick up his child and he also had invited two friends and uh, they were not churched. And he came in and he said, people are really friendly and welcoming here. People are not like that, he said. What did he do? He sensed the love. He sensed the warmth. He sensed the vitality as we as Christ followers showed him in regards to when he came on Wednesday night. That is exactly what we're looking for, for people to see that we're different. And we're not different. Again, that hurts the gospel. We need to enfold people through relationships. Right now the women are having their retreat over in Northbrook. And uh, I'm at home taking care of the dogs. And Lori was really concerned, really worried about leaving the dogs with me. I do not know why. Okay? I mean, she set all the medicines out, you know, twice a day and this and that. And uh, so I've been doing a great job. I have. I think she's going to be a, give me a gold star when I get home. You know, yesterday uh, when I was working on my message... Uh, all of a sudden, Windows decided to upgrade me to Windows 10. I didn't ask for it. They were warning me, I think, that it was coming. <laughs> and you know, one, 1%. Then you go out a long time, 2%. <laughs> so I took the dogs for a walk. An hour walk, no doubt. You only asked for 30 minutes. So, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I tell you, the most difficult part of this was trying... Trying to put medicine down the throat of a Labrador. <laughs> Come on, open up, open up! You know, and she'd been fighting me, and then I get it open, and it was very frustrating. <laughs> I know they have those little packs, but we're out of them, so I finally found some meat uh, to get that job uh, done. But friends, when women are away on retreat, uh, it's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. Relationships are the glue that that really ties a person to a family. It's how many relationships you have. Now, if you're a person has maybe hopped to different churches, uh, the reason you probably left other churches is because you didn't create relationships with people. But that takes time, you say. I don't have time to develop relationships. Well, you're very busy but some of you are very lonely, right? Some of you are very lonely. I mean, you've got all kinds of things to do and kind of distract yourself, but when it comes right down to it, I just wish I had a couple good friends. Well, for, this is the best place to find friends. And we have all types of activities that bring people together. We've got the men's uh, seminar coming up. No regrets. And I tell you what, guys, you have to take the time to make that a priority. And what I've discovered in my life and others is we're afraid to take the time because we're so locked in to what we're doing and everything that needs to be done. Oh, go to financial peace for eight or nine weeks? I don't have time for that. Or be part of Marriage United for how many weeks? No time for that. Or take a whole Saturday? if you are going to really grow as a Christ follower, you need to make the decision that these things are more important than other things you do. It might feel inconvenient. might not be your style. But you need to get involved in these things in order that you might know more about God and you create these relationships that make you feel like Springbrook is your home. We look at... Acts 2, 44 and 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, some people will say, well, you know, Christianity is a communal living, or it's communism, or whatever. No, no, no. you got to remember that on Pentecost, people came from all over the world in order to worship at Jerusalem. So, when the new church started, and 3,000 people came to Christ at the same time, they were from all different countries. And they wanted to stick around so that they could be trained in what this was all about because it was just so thrilling to them. So, what happened with the church at that time is that everybody sacrificed now, not everybody sold their home. Some people did to uh, gather more resources for people uh, who were there. But the point is, is they took care of each other and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the poor seeds to all as any had need. Now, that's a good verse to meditate on, isn't it? I mean, think about that. What's going on there? Yeah, that was just an odd thing back then. In... No. <laughs> that's how God wants us to live always looking to serve people, always looking to be generous toward others, always be looking to be more a part of the family. And we have to work at this. Uh, you know, who do you talk to right after a service? Well, people talk, typically uh, talk to their friends, right? That makes sense. The friends, we're, we're an outreach mission. So, what we need to do is take that first 10 minutes and talk to anybody who's new or you don't know, which is a lot of people probably, right? You see somebody sitting alone, go over and say hello. And again, get a more extrovert to team up with to do that. But uh, yeah, we, we need to be very intentional about that. Our natural desire is, just, hey, I'm going to hook up with my friend. But again, you come on Sunday morning to worship God and keep that appointment. And then you also come to minister to other people. And, and you know, I always hear people saying that they're not going to church for this reason or that reason. And sometimes I do tell them. I say, well, you know, it's not for you. It's for God. That's why you're going to church. You just get the benefit from it. Yeah, you need to go there. You need to be involved. And there's so many Christians that have just detached themselves from the church. And it's very sad, because that was not God's intention at all. A new commandment I give you, Jesus said, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know this, that you are my disciples. If you love, have love for one another. There's another thing to meditate upon. How much you love people outside your family? How much do you care for people? How much are you willing to sacrifice to help someone? Because again, that was the mark of Christ followers in those days, especially uh, they would leave uh, female babies out to die because they didn't want them. And that was okay, but the, the Christians would come by and, and put them in orphanages and The Christians had all type of compassion projects going on. And that's what really set them apart, is that they were so caring and loving and we need to follow uh, their lead. All right, third one is we inspire them to worship. We inspire them to worship. So we bring them, we unfold them through relationships, and we inspire them to worship. So let's stand up here and kind of... (laughs) Relax. uh, Let's do these together, okay? We bring them to Jesus. We enfold them through relationships. We inspire them through worship. Okay, one more time. We bring them to Jesus. We enfold them through relationships. And we inspire them through worship. Great, thank you very much. I'm going to ask you to stand again, so it might feel like an old church you went to, but... (laughs) All right, well, let's look at this one. We inspire them to worship. But the hour is coming is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, both emotionally and intellectually, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. That verse motivates me. God's looking for people who are really serious about worship. That's who He's seeking out. Hey, I want to be that person. I, I, God, I want to be that person, okay? I'm, I'm going to seek you out. When I seek you out, I will find you. He's promised. We need to worship. We need to come together on a regular basis in order to be fed and, and experience worship and all the other great things that takes place. Uh Now, I was thinking about this. Verse 42, "...and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of the bread and prayers, praising God and having favor with all the people." So, they devoted themselves, they committed themselves, they're very serious about this, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Fellowship is basically Christ-centered relationships. So, think in your mind, how many Christ-centered relationships do you have? Now, if you're part of a small group, part of a ministry, that's a great way to get to know other Christ followers. But a Christ-centered relationship is just not a relationship when you just talk about things that everybody talks about. But it's when you pray together. It's when you talk about spiritual issues. When you testify to what God is doing in your life. So, we want to have that as part of our lives. I did a study recently in terms of uh, how many times people uh, go to church uh, here at Springbrook because what I hear from other pastors, talking like Crystal Lake Wills, Pastor Marcus biskey I said, how, how many times do people attend? Just about twice a month. Oh, yeah, it's kind of like our church. <laughs> and, you know, he just said it in such a way, nothing against Marcus, uh, but the point is, is that's not good, right? I mean, God has asked us to show up on a weekly basis to worship Him. Nothing about you. It's an appointment that He has set for you. All right. So I studied and I found that 90 people came four weeks a month, 93 weeks a month, 110 two weeks a month, and 110 one week a month. So you have 180 people attending at least three weeks. A month, but you have 220 just at uh, two weeks or one week a month. Yeah, I'm always you know, kind of hesitant to bring this up, and all well, people think I'm legalistic and that stuff like that. And I just thought this morning, forget it. You know, you see, you're in a disciple making church, you will be challenged by me on a regular basis. And if you don't like that, this ain't the church for you. Because disciple-making is holding people accountable. Disciple-making is encouraging them. In fact, I came up with an idea as I was preparing. I said, okay, what if people shot for a 40-Sunday year? 40 Sundays, okay? That gives you time uh, for vacation, sick days. snow. not bear games, okay? You're not told to worship the bears, are you, on Sunday morning? Okay? If that works for you, think about it. Especially you dads, leaders of the family. I'm going to make sure my family is there 40 times. That's like one, three weeks a month. Something of that nature. And let that be a gross step for you. I I just am not going to let that go. I mean, everybody kind of accepts it. And I say, no, you shouldn't accept it. (laughs) Because, God wants you here as often as possible. All right. We teach them God's Word. So we bring them to Jesus. We enfold them to relationships. We inspire them to worship. And we teach them God's Word. Well, yeah, that's what everything is about here at Springbrook. Helping people understand God's Word. Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Into the breaking of the bread and prayers. Let's go to the next one. Is we equip them for ministry. Equip is like this, like you're building something. Yeah, we bring them to Jesus, we enfold them through relationships, we inspire them to worship, we teach them God's word, and then we equip them for ministry. We talked a lot about this last week, and we had 40 people say that they wanted to get involved in the ministry. Isn't that great? Forty people. Yeah. Thank God for how he responded in that way. Ephesians 4.12 says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. Now that is the job of the pastor and its leaders of the church in order to equip you, to train you, to help you grow as a disciple and help you to know what the Christian life is. It's all about. And finally, we pray for them. Okay? We pray for them. And this is what I threw in. It's not an official uh, purpose of the church, but it's awfully important. And if we're discipling somebody, we should pray for them. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayers. They were committed to pray for one another. In fact, in Acts 4, Uh, They run into problems with the authorities and they're saying, hey, you can't teach that gospel here anymore. So, what'd they do? They had a prayer meeting. What's the first thing you should do when you have a problem or somebody else has a problem? You should have a prayer meeting. Maybe just with yourself or get a couple people together. If you as a family are uh, going through tough times, you should be praying. You should be praying because that's where the power comes from. But so often we say, well, I'll take care of it. And again, we just need to continue to grow in that way. So they were told that they couldn't preach. And when they had prayed at a prayer meeting, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. <laughs> wow. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with Boldness. Boldness. They went back out there and they just kept teaching God's Word. Hey, you can throw me in jail, whatever you want to do. But I can't stop talking about Jesus. I can't stop talking about the Bible and my prayer for our church, for myself, That we would become more bold about walking with Jesus Christ. That we become more bold to be engaged in the ministry that He's brought us to. More bold in service. More bold in caring for one another. I'm looking for a great time of growth. And uh, I hope you are too. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, oh, I thank You so much uh, for the church. Lord, thank You for this church. I'm just humbled to be the leader here. And please help me to continue to grow, and become more passionate, more bold, And Lord, I pray more and more that You would guide us in the way uh, that You want us uh, to go. In Christ's name, Amen.